0: Thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna, and we have a great show for you today. If any of you have ever suffered from anxiety or have been living uh, with anxiety for most of your life, this is definitely going to be a show for you, and we are inviting onto the show Corinne Zupko. She is the author of From Anxiety to Love, A Radical New Approach for Letting Go of Fear and Finding Lasting Peace, and as a licensed counselor and keynote speaker, she's helped thousands of individuals through her one-on-one counseling, weekly meditation classes for corporations, and the largest virtual conference of A Course in Miracles in the world through the organization Miracle Share International, which she co-founded. She lives a little further south than us. Uh, We are in New York and she is in New Jersey, and I would like to welcome her to
1: our show. Hi, Corinne. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation today.
0: Yes, I am too. And one of the things that I love to find are authors like yourself who, um, have studied A Course in Miracles and really bring the whole teaching of that into books and make it easy. Mm. (laughs) You made it easy (laughs) for me. So, um, so thank you. And I'm really excited to discuss how you were able to blend The Course in Miracles in it, because I too am a student of it, but only of about a few years. And I still have a lot of questions and some of the concepts can be a little hard hard to grasp. Um, So I'm hoping that you can answer some questions for me in our podcast today. And I know in reading your book that you have struggled um, with anxiety for a very long time, beginning in childhood. So I was hoping you can let our listeners know what your story is with anxiety and what you went through and how you got to where you are today.
1: Absolutely. So I joke around that I was born with anxiety. My first psychiatric diagnosis came around the age of two when I was diagnosed with separation anxiety disorder. I could not handle my mother, my poor mother, even walking out of the room without losing it, <laughs> apparently. And I don't <laughs> remember this so much, but I grew out of the separation anxiety, but it sort of, I like to think of fear as a shapeshifter. It's like a rusty pipe. The source of the fear, you know, coming into the pipe. And if we just plug up one hole, if we haven't gotten to the source of the fear, the fear's going to spring a leak elsewhere. And that's sort of how I grew. Although the separation anxiety disorder got better, I developed a lot of phobias. When I got to college, I developed panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. And the panic disorder was actually triggered by the death of a student, a very sudden death due to an illness. I didn't personally know this student, but it just brought forward that sort of underlying question of why are we here? Like, what is the point of all this? And how can something so tragic happen if they say God is love? Like if God is actually love, how can a loving God create things that die? It just didn't make sense to me. So The panic disorder, my first panic attack started actually the morning after I learned about that student's death. And for anybody who has had one, you know, it is impossible to convey what it's like to somebody who's never had a panic attack. It is overwhelming. There is like a rush of adrenaline and cortisol that just goes through your body. I felt like I was about to die. I was shaking, sweating. My heart was racing. My knees were barely able to hold my weight as I climbed down my bunk bed, trying to not wake my roommate underneath in the bunk below. And it was actually that moment, 3 a.m. that morning when I called my mom on the phone and she miraculously picked up and We were trying to figure out what was going on, and she said, you know, Corinne, I think you're having a panic attack, and we're going to get you through this. We're going to get you help. And she had actually brought up this book called A Course in Miracles. She said, you know, I know you haven't wanted to talk about this before, but A Course in Miracles is all about learning how to undo fear at its source. It's all about getting to why that, you know, fear is flowing into that rusty pipe, in the from the get-go, and healing it at its source. And prior to this, I didn't want a thing to do with spirituality. I was Miss Science girl and just wanted nothing, you know, it, it was all just baloney and I had no interest whatsoever. I was also, you know, a teenager, and that was a factor also where I had no interest in something my mom was trying to get me to do. But when she offered it again, I was in such a place of desperation. I said, I will try anything. It opened, the anxiety opened my mind to explore things that I had never been open to exploring before. And it has been through my journey with A Course in Miracles that The anxiety issues that I used to live with have fallen away. The disorders are light years from me. I sleep like a baby now. I wake up anxiety free where I used to have a lot of early morning anxiety and even panic attacks that would wake me up in the night. And it's been through this journey of really going deep into my mind to, you know, exhume that source of the fear to really work at it, that all the ways that the fear manifested itself in my life, like I said, have just been like shedding an old skin or shedding layers of an onion. It's just fallen away. So I'd like to say that anxiety falls away as we remember our true self, as we remember that love that we are, that eternal love that we are and, you know, how we are all connected. So that's my story in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a really big concept,
0: you know, of trying to get people to understand the big picture, but you did a really good job in breaking things down throughout the book with different meditations that people can do. You're giving people mantras and really teaching them how to begin to retrain the mind. So for people who um, might be hearing about a course in miracles for the, first time, can you just educate our listeners a little bit about what The Course in Miracles is?
1: Absolutely. So A Course in Miracles is a book. You can get it anywhere books are sold. And it has three parts. There's a textbook in the beginning, which is kind of dense and hard to read. There is a workbook, which has a lesson for every day of the year. So there are 365 lessons or meditations. And then the back part of the book is the manual for teachers, which is written in more of the QA and a format, which... We're all teachers and learners in every situation that we're in. So I usually recommend that people begin with a manual for teachers because it's a little bit more digestible than the text. So the whole course, another teacher described it rather than a book as a portal. And I loved that description because the course really is a portal. It's a pathway to help us open our awareness open our minds and actually remember our eternal nature the love that's within us the love that connects us all it's it's a pathway to help us remove those blocks of fear that are in our mind that are actually blocking us from knowing that love is what we're made of and when i say love I don't mean romantic love. I'm talking the love of the universe, divine love, a love that, you know, exceeds what we experience on a day to day basis. So the course is really a pathway to help us get there. And it's a pathway that has just clicked for me. It's worked for me very well.
0: Yeah, it's worked for me too. And I have to say like
1: studying the course, even
0: though I'm a mental health therapist as well, and, you know, we're trained in like cognitive behavioral things and, you know, um, theories and and things of that sort. And there's you know a lot of techniques in the therapy world that you can apply and help your clients. But I really found personally for my own anxiety and for my clients that these concepts um in a Course in Miracles, just by anything else that I've ever learned, I feel
1: works the best. I agree with you, one hundred and ten percent. It gets to that fear. It gets you know, to addressing the anxiety uh, in a way that other techniques don't, because, you know, one of the quotes in a course is if you knew who walks beside you on the way that you have chosen, fear would be impossible. So if we, if we knew that we weren't alone, if we knew that the body is not who we actually are, if we actually knew that we would be fearless, we would be so kind and compassionate to each other, but we don't know that. We don't remember that. And so the course is really there to help us wake up to the fact that love's presence is with us always. And how comforting is that? Yes. And in your book
0: too, you kind of started off by really educating the reader and having them, as you would say, have them be willing to kind of contemplate some of these thoughts that you're giving them. And there was a lot of stuff that you wrote in there, Basically, trying to help people to detach from the physical body to realize that what's going on here is more of a dream, Mm -hmm. and uh, how do we start to kind of detach from the physical body here that feels so real? So, Mm -hmm. can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, so this is actually kind of fun because I just presented my book. And the content of my book to a professional audience. So I had a room full of mental health counselors, licensed counselors, and I even ended up with a minister. I don't remember what, um, what sect of Christianity he was from, but I put a quote up on my PowerPoint and it was from A Course in Miracles. And it says, the Bible says that a deep sleep fell upon Adam and nowhere is there reference to his waking up. And so I turned to this minister who had been very engaged and and, sharing a lot. And I said, can you you validate this for me? Is this true that the Bible says that a deep sleep fell upon Adam and nowhere is the reference to his waking up? And he looked at me and he said, yes. So the perspective of the course is that we have fallen asleep. We were in oneness. We were in heaven. We were in our divine reality. And part of our mind decided to have a dream of separation, to pretend that we could be special and we could be separate from our source. And that essentially is, is what we're experiencing right now is this dream playing itself out, which is actually already healed. We're already home. We're already safe, but we don't remember that. We don't accept that in this moment because we're mesmerized by this dream. We're totally preoccupied by what's happening here. And so thinking about the world as a dream kind of explains why it's so crazy (laughs) and so upside down. And so many things happen that don't make sense. And it becomes then our purpose, literally our life's purpose, our life's work, no matter what our job is, to wake up to this, to wake up here and now, and to wake up and realize that, hey, there's more to the story than what my body's eyes show me. And I can learn how to start to tune into that by going within, by going into my heart, by going, you know, deep into my mind. So I can recognize for people listening, hearing this idea that the world is like a dream can initially seem a little bit like, what, <laughs> you know, a little scary, But it actually is liberating, because it doesn't change the fact that we're experiencing ourselves here, but it gives us another framework, another way of looking at the world, so we can work to wake up to the love that we are, rather than constantly trying to put out all the millions of fires that the world is constantly presenting to us.
0: So let me ask you a question off of that, because... The way that I'm understanding it too is that even though we're not our physical body, right, and we come from this oneness, that the physical body here will still have experiences that we can't deny. But if you are able to be reminded where you come from and of that that source of love, then we become less detached
1: of the physical body. Great question. So the you're hitting on a really important word, and that is that detachment. And this practice to me actually goes beyond detachment in that it's detachment to me can imply an intellectual like, oh, I'm not my body, so I'm not going to worry about that. And yet, just like you said, we're having an experience that we can't deny. And so I believe that rather than detaching from the body, we can actually repurpose the body to allow it to help us wake up. And what I mean by that is, for instance, we experience guidance through our body, we experience the voice of love through our body. Used, now, this is getting into some course concepts. There's the ego and then there's, you know, spirit or our inner therapist, as I call it, the ego being the thought system of fear and the inner therapist being our thought system of love. As we choose to start to listen and be guided by that thought system of love, we are repurposing the body for for spirit to use the body on behalf of our awakening rather than the ego using the body to convince us that this is all there is. So in that repurposing, it's almost like rather than detaching from it, we're actually in it and experiencing then experiences, like actually having experiences in the body of a new purpose, of a of a new way of being. And you know, miracles, it's a course in miracles. Miracles are not only shifts in perception in our thinking, but they're also expressions of love. So when I've had these unexplainable occurrences in my body, sometimes spontaneous healing, sometimes, you know, situations that I'm in just shifting and changing rather than a denial of the body, it becomes more of an experiential knowing that I am something greater than my body. So it's, it's, it's Beyond detachment in that way, it's not just like um, an intellectual denial. It is actually having experiences in the moment, in this world, that show us that there's something greater than this. So, does that make sense to distinguish between like detachment versus actual experience? Yeah, it does. It's helping. It's still,
0: (laughs) it's still like a, you know, a difficult concept. Like I'll give you an example. So I'm on vacation right now in South Carolina and I'm here with my family and my cousin who has suffered with really bad anxiety for a long time. And a lot of it is based in, um, some, you know, hypochondriac, um, symptoms and stuff like that. But then she truly has gotten sick, you know, with real, uh, you know, a really, um, a very challenging, uh, health issue, you know, later in life. But, you know, she's always kind of been living like, Oh my God, I have this, I have this. this. I have this. And that was So me. I gave her your book. <laughs> yeah. I gave her, I gave her your book and I said, look, I'm interviewing this person on Friday. Cause I know that she had never been exposed to any of these concepts of a course in miracles before. And, you know, it's like when you're with your family, you don't want to just constantly be throwing stuff down their throat, you know, of what you study and what you do, but trying to, you know, introduce them the concepts. And she absolutely loved your book and it really helped her during the vacation. But last night she did get sick, some food poisoning or something. So here she is in the physical body and she's throwing up and she's running a fever. But that seemed very real, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we apply that concept of but this is yet a dream. And, um, you know, to not be attached to the physical body, to not have fear that the body is doing this. Mm -hmm. And so how do you work through like real life stuff like that, that makes you feel like, Oh my God, no, this, this is truly happening. You know, this is not an illusion. (laughs) I'm like, pray for a miracle, you know, (laughs) send love, send love to your belly. So, so that's where I kind of can get a little, um, you know, tied up in some of this stuff too, because I can apply it in so many ways. And you even referenced this to a story about, um, your husband, with the boat, uh, uh, that whole incident. And I was hoping you could talk about that. Um, so the listeners know what we're talking about, Yeah. but you know, but it's kind of like, we can apply this in certain situations, but then something like, you know, that happens and it kind of can take you out of the practice a little bit or really force you to get in deeper into the practice to apply it because that felt very, very real, you know, watching my cousin be sick last night.
1: Absolutely. And it felt, Really real to her too. Like I'm I'm sure it felt horrible. And you're reminding me of a time where I was having a conversation with a friend who was going through foot surgery, and she's like, "Corinne, I keep saying I'm not a body, I'm not a body, and it's not working." And we laughed because there, you know, is again our inclination to want to intellectualize this idea that we are not a body. We don't know that we are not a body. We fully believe that this is what we are. And, you know, in the reality of our experience, and that's actually beautiful for us to acknowledge. So the application comes in where we're not figuring out for ourselves that this isn't real, but we are going through whatever we're going through. So if we have food poisoning, if we're sick, we're feeling it, you know, this isn't a course in denying our feelings or in really denying um, our experience. It is about experiencing what we're experiencing and saying to our loving thought system in our mind, the voice of spirit or the inner therapist, as I call it, whatever you want to call it works. It's about turning to that part of our minds and saying, help me see this differently give me an experience that shows me that i am something much greater than this and then that part of our mind call it spirit call it your inner therapist we we've asked that part of our mind to now step into the driver's seat we've we've said hey you know i want give me a miracle instead i want to exchange my thoughts about this my feelings about this for something else you know and so that's really our small little part that we're asked to do. But what can happen as a result of that? Now we might still just go through being sick and, you know, slowly getting better. Um, Take medication if you need it. I like to say, you know, take your medication with your inner therapist, take it with spirit and say, you know what? I'm taking this. I believe I need it. I'm taking it with you and I'm trusting that it's going to fall away. You know, when I don't need it anymore, the whole process of, Really applying this teaching of I'm not a body when we're going through, you know, body stuff is to always come back to that desire, that willingness to see it differently. Now, the course says, okay, there's a great prayer in the course for this, again, this practical application, and it is take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Because when we judge it, you know, we're judging it as real. And we might, again, try to intellectually apply these teachings when we're saying to our highest, higher, higher self, another way of referring to spirit, you know, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Again, we're asking that, that thought system in our mind, that loving thought system to give us a new experience of what's happening. And I can give, I'll tie this into the boat story that you just broke up, that you just brought up to give a very specific example. Great. Thank you. The, what I said, it broke up. It's kind of a, a Freudian slip because this boat almost broke into pieces on my, my poor husband's head. I was, um, the story goes, and, and I explain this in the book that my husband was participating in a lifeguard relay at the beach. So we live near at the beach and they race these big wood boats. And I always get nervous during this part of the competition, especially when there are waves, because these boats are big, they're very heavy. And what happened was, I think the boat was coming in and my husband was trying to help guide the boat in the boat got caught in a wave and there was really big shore break. So the big waves were breaking like right on the sand and the boat got caught. It got, I think the people who were in it jumped out. The boat went sideways and got caught by the wave. And it was in the direct path of my husband heading straight for him. So he had to throw himself backwards, like pretty much lay down in like inches of water. And the boat flew by right above him, he may have had like two or three inches of water above his nose, like above his head as the boat passed by. And it was such a close call and it scared me to my core because my whole life with him flashed before me. And that felt very real. Like, you know, we can't deny in that moment that I am not a body, you know, again, that's intellectually comforting, but experientially not so much. So as he got, you know, out of the water, I I pretty much went mute for 24 hours. I was so upset. I just, I couldn't even speak. And as we were leaving the beach, a woman passed us by and she said, your angels were with you. She turned to my husband and she said, your angels were with you. You had just enough water to get underneath that boat. And had he even had a helmet on, which I was always like begging him to wear a helmet, it probably would have even snagged the helmet. So it was just like a terrible situation all around. But What happened was that I was just mad and angry and upset for, you know, the larger part of, of 24 hours. But toward the end of that 24 hours, I started to experience this willingness to see the situation differently, to, to recognize that every difficult circumstance that we're in is an ego ploy. It's like bait that the ego is holding out to say, Hey, look, this world is real. You can be hurt. It presents lots of clear and convincing evidence that this is all there is. And that's its purpose. So that's the purpose of any, you know, bad thing in the world that happens. It's there to convince us of the world's reality. And we can, however, come to see it differently. We can let our perceptions be repurposed and seen anew. So as I was sitting in my yard Finally, coming to this place of willingness, I had an experience. It was an actual experience of feeling that, regardless of the form, regardless of what was happening out there with my husband, what we are is beyond this, that this it, that that was an ego, you know, set to, again, try to keep me fixated on the world. Instead, I was willing to look beyond it, but I I didn't intellectually get there. It was just, it was like a spontaneous experience that came through my heart. And when my husband came home, I ended up greeting him with a smile and with love instead of with tears and anger, because had I said, believe me, I wanted to say, I never want you doing these boat competitions again. That was coming from a place of fear and from lack, but instead it was as if my heart opened and... I could let him do, you know, what he feels he needs to do and have an experience of trusting that what we share, the love that we all share is unbreakable. It's it's beyond the world of form and nothing that happens here can change it. Nothing can, you know, break that bond that we have with our loved ones or with one another. So I hope that's, I know it's it's hard to grasp, but I hope that that is clear that the, Practical application actually comes in when we are asking for a miracle instead of what we see. And that experience of not being a body comes in as an actual, you know, spontaneous experience in our hearts. And it doesn't always happen, but we sort of practice, practice, practice. And, and it does eventually we start to have these little experiences that teach us for something greater.
0: Yeah. And I think that that was such a great example in the book too, because, you know, when you walk the reader through how you processed it and got through it, you could see as, you know, as the reader that it just took that shift in perception from fear and turned it into love because, you know, you very well could have probably gotten into an argument with your husband and said, I I really don't want you to do this. This was too close of a call. You know, I love you. I don't Mm -hmm. want to see you die, but that's very much just fear ridden. You know, don't do something because it could be dangerous. Right. Every every day we could die. You know, there's, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen or leave the physical body, I guess you could say, cause I know that we don't really die. We're consciousness, but, right. um, but you could, but you know, if you fed into that, then, you know, here, and if your husband said, okay, I'll do whatever you want, because I want you to be happy. Then we really start to limit our experiences in life due yeah, to fear.
1: Absolutely. And that creates a, A block in our relationship that then is telling him, No, you can't do something that you love (laughs) because I can't handle it. And And instead coming from a place of abundance and a a place of, you know, true love, letting him go through what he wants to do, um, is, is much different than, you know, limiting him and then him possibly resenting me, you know, for, for not allowing him to do something that he really enjoys, even though I hate it. (laughs) Right.
0: So basically what you just walked us through is chapter five in your book, where you talk about, um, the recipe for healing. And you said that there's uh, a, you know, three steps, um, when you're looking at a specific situation and the steps are to be willing to see the problem differently. Like you mentioned, give your willingness to see the problem differently over to your inner therapist and ask for the miracle and three rest and trust that it is done
1: you, that's beautiful. Yep. You got it. And I, those are the three steps that I use for absolutely everything. It doesn't have to be anxiety. It can be, you know, this boat story, it can be, um, a stomach bug. It can be whatever we're experiencing. The interesting thing is that, you know, we can do that, those three steps. And then it's like, okay, great. Just did that. Nothing happened. What next? (laughs) And that's why I had, I actually was talking to a group recently about this. And I showed a picture of a, probably it was, it was a little kid, like a toddler in diapers on their feet, but bending over, looking underneath their own legs. And so looking like, you know, upside down through their own legs. And I shared that this ego thought system is we, we've got a grip on it. You know, we, it's very much, we identify with it as a part of our mind. So it can be helpful to look at it from different angles to begin to loosen that grip. And so I break down those three steps into many other ways of approaching those steps when we feel like, okay, just did it and nothing happened because looking at it at a different angle angle can be really helpful to create some space and some movement.
0: Right. Now, what I have found in my own kind of recovery of anxiety is, um, is that it does take work, right? If we're going to have an inner dialogue constantly going, you know, why not choose that inner dialogue to be more peaceful? But I wanted to ask you if you also felt um, that it really takes repetition over and over using these mantras or certain phrases to remind yourself and bring yourself back into a state of peace that just by, you know, reading The Course in Miracles or reading a couple of books, it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to stick, but it is a true practice and a daily practice that one really needs to do in order to begin to see that change and that shift.
1: I agree with that. And, you know, we have to do what A Course in Miracles says or do whatever our spiritual practice may be, do it and stick to it. Now, spontaneous healings happen so I do believe that, you know, for some of us, I know Eckhart Tolle had his awakening, I believe on a park bench. I think that we can have experiences that, you know, happen that are very profound and lasting. But I think for the vast majority of us, myself included, this takes repetition and practice, like you said, because if you think about going into more the science of this type of work, and even, you know, I also come from a lot of training and mindfulness meditation, just like any other skill, playing the piano, riding a bike, meditating, doing A Course in Miracles, there is that repetition piece that I believe changes our brain. It changes our wiring and that can take time. The thing that A Course of Miracles teaches though, that we need to keep in mind is that our one fear, if this one fear is healed, all the rest goes with it. And that one fear is that we believe that we are separate from God. When that one belief is healed in our, that we think we're separate, everything else goes with it. But, and the course also says that, you know, fear does not have to be followed through all of its circuitous roots in order to heal it. It is really just this one belief in our sense of separation that needs healing. Um, But like I said, the vast majority of us might need to do a lot of this as repetition and as practice because just that fear or that belief in separation seems so vague or unrelatable, you know, it do- it's not something that's really conscious. So as we're working on these let's say, you know, more superficial layers of fear, I have had the experience of these more unconscious fears coming to the surface to, again, use that three-step process with. So I do agree with you that there is a practice in this that is even beyond daily, moment to moment, (laughs) because we can slip into that fearful thinking in just, you know, the snap of your fingers. It can happen really quickly. So it is moment to moment.
0: I always said, I always said, if people could be in my mind, they would hear how many times I, one of the um, mantras that I love is this thought is not based in love. Therefore I release it. And I catch myself saying that all the time. Like if a weird thought comes up, you know, or something out of the blue and it carries some fear and I'm like, Nope. And I stop it right there. And I just, you know, repeat, repeat, repeat until I'm at peace. Um, but you know, one of the, you gave another example that I wanted to talk about was in your book, you mentioned how energy always returns back to the source of the current from which it comes from. And I, I believe that you were referencing it to, um, the fear that people had with swimming pools.
1: Uh, that example, I used an example that actually happened nearby, not in the town where I live, but in another town, I was using an example of. People getting shocked, like electrical shocks in their swimming pools because stray electricity was going through the ground. And yes, they were getting very freaked out about swimming in their pools because who wants to get electrocuted? Um, Electricity always returns to its source. And so whatever happened where there was stray electricity in the ground, it was trying to find its way back home and going through a path of least resistance, like a body of water it was ending up in swimming pools. And I shared that example to illustrate the course's teaching that ideas leave not their source. Our ideas of fear are in our mind. We see them out there in the world. And this is where the idea of projection comes in. But those things that we see in the world are reflections of the fear that we have in our mind. So again, we can spend our lives, and I mean, many of us will be called to try to work to put out many of those fires in the world, but we can also, while we're doing that, recognize that those fearful situations out there are a reflection of the fear in my own mind. And if ideas don't leave their source, if you know that fearful idea is out there, that fearful fearful idea is in my mind, and again, I can be willing to own that it's there and go through that three-step process again, you know, say, Hey, inner therapist, I'm willing to see this differently. Give me the miracle and, and trusting, you know, trusting that it's done. Yeah. And,
0: you know, when my cousin and I were talking about that and I said, yeah, this just makes so much sense. Just even with electricity, you know, trying to move through the path of least resistance back to its source. And I said, well, we we are energy, right? So what do we return to? We return back to the source, but we're always connected to it. Right. So I was just like, oh, that's a perfect way to explain (laughs) it because we we too are looking to come back to the source. I mean, that's basically what the Course in Miracles is saying, right? To come Mm -hmm. back to God, come back to that love. Mm -hmm. And then here we are in life. And if we're not taking the path of least resistance, then we're probably finding that we're living in fear. And if we begin to take the path of least resistance, then we're moving more towards love, which eventually then reconnects you back to that source.
1: Well, said that that was perfect. And that path of least resistance, you know, moving in that pathway of love here in the world, this is in, it's in that path that we have those undeniable experiences, then those miracles that build up our trust that there is something greater. And that's where, again, that experiential knowing comes in. And we can, relax a bit more. We can smile a bit more. We can be a bit more happy to realize that we are actually waking up. We are allowing our awareness to be expanded to the fact that, yes, we haven't We haven't left our source. We only think we have. We only think we have a journey to return back to our source. But in fact, we're already there and we just have to wake up to that. And the You know, fear that comes up in the course teaches that we have unconscious fear, believing that we have separated from our source. And so the moments that we can touch, and we can even maybe touch it right now, if we think about, oh, going back to God, what does that mean? Immediately, we might have fears of like, oh, well, what am I going to lose? Like, am I not going to know myself anymore? Am I going to lose my loved ones? All those fears that come up are reflections of our fear of love, our fear of our source, our fear of God. And so if we can catch those fleeting fears, rather than just skipping past them or denying that they're there, if we can catch them and say, oh, I actually am fearful that I'm going to be asked to sacrifice something or that I'm going to lose something, we can then again do that three-step process and chip away at those fears because those fears aren't true. They're just again, blocks to our awareness of this all encompassing love that's here already. So it's the whole process just gets me so excited and so happy. And I feel so honored that I can, um, be of service in sharing these teachings that have helped me so much. So I just love that you're a course student too. And we can get really into this. It's really fun. (laughs)
0: Yes, and I and I really enjoyed in your book too. For our listeners, if they decide to go out and purchase the book, that there are great mantras. Um, it's almost like in the, the part two or the back of your book where you have some of that. There's journal prompts. Um, you know, you just give so many great suggestions on how to begin to shift our perception more to love, which which I love, which is great. <laughs> and but what I can find a little overwhelming is, you know, if you pick up the Course of Miracles and you have the workbook and you're trying to do it alone it can be kind of just, like I said, overwhelming. And I was really excited to see on your website that you have, and I signed up for it, that you actually do a Sunday night course where you are helping people online going through the lessons in the Course in Miracles. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Definitely. So this is a Course in Miracles study group that I've been facilitating over the phone for over six years now, which I can't believe. And We are reading the book together and you don't have to, it's, it's always been free and it always will be free. You don't have to start at the beginning to gain from this because we take it one paragraph at a time. There are some study group calls where we literally read one paragraph. Then there's others that we read many paragraphs. And we talk about it and people share their, their experiences. I share experiences, my understanding of what it's saying and other folks chime in as well. So it's a conversational call where we are all, you know, working to integrate course miracles teachings into our lives. So it's every Sunday night at 8 PM Eastern. And I've had people, I've had a participant from Russia, you know, everyone calls in from all over. So, um, it's a really good time.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, and what is it? 8 PM? Is it Eastern? It's Eastern time, right? Eastern, Yes. 8 PM Eastern on Sundays. Awesome. A nice way to kind of end your, your day and move into your work week and, um, I'm looking forward to taking that. And I know I've, I'll probably be referring my clients and my friends who are also studying the course because it's just great to have someone to lead that, you know, when you are beginning on this quest. And uh, for our listeners, Corinne's website is from anxietytolove.com. She has a great blog on there. And you also have um, quite a few events. I was taking a look at those too. Um, yeah. Let's see. Where? I'm, where, 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 I'm what coming we up.
1: New York City (laughs) City is coming up at the end of this month, which is April 2018. Um, I'll be doing a book talk. I, I teach at the College of New Jersey, so I'm actually doing a book talk at the Barnes & Noble there. And I'll be adding, I'm going to actually it's not till May, 2019, but I'll be heading to Birmingham, England, and I'll be adding new events all the time. I'll be definitely doing some traveling this coming summer. So I love, love, love spending time together with folks in person. So I would love to meet up if, if possible, if anybody wants yeah. to
0: in. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Well, thank you so much. And I just really have to thank you for making it's so easy, you know, there was just, was just certain things that I got that finally clicked for me. Um, when I read your book, I really loved, uh, your real life examples and watching you kind of work through them. So it really was a very, very helpful, um, book, highly recommend it. Um, and you were just a great guest. So thanks so much for uh, being on our podcast.
1: It was a joy, April. Thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate your bringing a course in miracles to your listeners.
0: If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time!